Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and in the words of the deputy guy, whose name I don't have in front of me, and also Josh from Drake and Josh, Megan. And with me, I've got Liam. Nobody wants to die. Dude, this is like the third movie almost in a row that I've watched this month that has uh, a significant Megan character. Because so I went to the theater to see Megan, um, right. that new movie, and then we did Sorority Row, and there's a significant Megan in that movie. So our name in the gr- I made my name in the group chat, Mathrigan. Yeah. Um, and then we did last week's episode breathless in person. So I didn't, we didn't have a group chat. And so when I joined this call, my name was already Mithrigan. I didn't even need to change it. That's incredible. I'm a, I'm on Megan movie month. Yeah. As long as relevant Megan's exist, you can be Megan. I'm picking Drake and Josh go Hollywood for next week. I have to, you can do, you could do that if you wanted to. I am, uh, <laughs> it's done it's been done um yeah i couldn't help the the drake and josh of it all but mitch had to come up with something mitch you're also here hello i am thank you yeah in the words of fatalistic child number one i don't actually know what their name is but that's just what i'm calling them oh, like the uh, two boys so what were you going to be when you grew up i don't think they're ever named i think we can I think fatalistic fatal. child yeah, number one is pretty it. good. That's I, pretty yeah. I, knew, I knew who you meant. I knew who you meant. Yeah. Though I think actually, I think he's more fatalistic child boy number two because I would count it from left to right. And I think the one who doesn't say that, the one who looks like uh, the dude from Days and Confused, he's always on the left. So I think that I'm, makes him a one. I'm fatalistic young adult. Ooh. So true. He just cocked a gun, everyone. Yeah, watch out. If we don't all agree on this podcast, I got bad news, dude. Bad news. Guns Speaking don't of, work against what? Jason. Guns don't work against Jason. So true. I, not, they if, don't. not if they're paintball, that's for sure. No. Or 12-gauge, for that matter. It just sort of knocks him on his ass. Speaking of bad news, uh, this wasn't the plan at all. Um, it's Tuesday, which is weird. Uh, it's 8.30, which is weird. And um, none of us chose this movie, which is also weird. It chose us. It chose us. More specifically, um, Shane chose this movie. If you heard last week's episode... Our glorious benefactor. Our glorious benefactor, Shane. If you heard last week's episode, um, you will know that Shane is um, a very kind listener who mailed us a vcr um which is which is truly just unbelievable to me even still to this day we've used it we have yeah we have have we ever used it (laughs) have we ever used it um and we've only bought more tapes uh i bought 10 tapes just yesterday uh the the vhs tapes will continue until morale improves um, we told Shane that as a token of gratitude for his lovely gift, he could choose a movie and we would do it. Um, no questions asked. Uh, we may not get to it right away, but you know, the plan was we'll get to whatever he wanted us to get to. Um, originally we were going to hold off because we had a very elaborate plan that you don't know about. 
because it's been excised entirely from the previous episode. So instead of that, we are fast tracking uh, Shane's film uh, to right now. Uh, We've all seen it and it's time to talk about it. It's a franchise that we've covered in tangential ways. And we're going to talk about Friday the 13th. Most specifically, his choice was Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. He lives! Um, Our familiarity with Jason is from 2009. Very different. The year of Sorority Row. Um, a very different sort of brand of thing happening there. So we are getting that throwback F13 action, uh, which we had not gotten up to this point. So instead of asking why anybody picked this movie, because that's between Shane and God, he did give us some reasons, but I think mystery is a little more fun. Um, What do you guys? I kind of want to know the- why. Okay, yeah, me too. Well, I, now I got to open the email. Mystery isn't more fun in this case. I want to know what our glorious benefactor was thinking when he picked this movie. That was a convenient way. Or he was just trying to avoid making a few clicks. Make just it trying to shorten the app. It's a good thing we got uh, Corey here. Keep him in line. Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives keeps popping up in my head. It does a few things. Does kind of a soft reboot as five was a letdown. Uses a better quality of film than previous ones. Leans more into humor. Starts with the zombie Jason trend as well. Um, and uh, those reasons sound good to me. So that is what prompted the immediate turnaround here on Friday the 13th Part 6 in particular was a reboot factor, some nice studio sheen, and also some jokes and a dead Jason. What more do you need? Yeah, I think that's a good reason to pick it. Yeah. Good reasons. You could kind of you could kind of make a case to pick almost any one of these movies, um, but but this is this is a good one. I'm surprised that we haven't done more of them, dude. When Corey, when you told me last night when you were watching this that it was the first Friday movie you've seen besides the remake, I was I was surprised. But then I remembered that is the case. I mean, I guess I was surprised because you've gotten close to watching a few. Like I know you were thinking about going to see Jason Takes Manhattan in a theater one time, and then. The final chapter played in a theater here, and I think we talked about going to that. Um, and I just, it just, I guess I assumed it happened, and it hadn't happened. And so this is fun. Yeah, uh, it it boggles my mind constantly that there are so, even if you limit it to legacy horror franchises, that we've been doing this for so long, and we are still ticking boxes of I hadn't even seen one of those is just like incredible to me that it can keep happening i didn't have a lot of friday the 13th experience did y'all i also don't have that much experience i've seen the first one interestingly with this one i had the opening of this movie spoiled over a decade ago well over a decade ago almost two decades ago i was on the school bus riding to school i must have been in the fourth grade and there was a kid who was in the sixth grade who I was talking to. He was pretty cool and he watched violent, edgy movies. And he would always like, he was one of those kids that would talk about it on the back of the bus. And all the other kids would listen with rapt attention because their parents wouldn't let them watch violent content. Anyway, 
he spoiled the opening with the whole thing with the fence post and the lightning. And I just, I just thought that that was such a cool way to resurrect a character. And, and that conversation still lingers in my mind. Fast forward, we're here watching this and I'm seeing this and this memory of this kid telling me the story like rushes back into my mind. And yeah, so I had the opening for, for this one spoiled ages ago. And, uh, so it was, a pleasant surprise to see it again, but I have very minimal experience with this franchise. I feel like I've watched a montage of all the kills over the years on YouTube because I go in for that kind of thing. And I feel like when you approach these movies, like that's kind of what I'm there for. Um, but I had a, I had a, a fun time visiting this one, just a walk down memory lane that I wasn't expecting. Interesting. That's really cool. Do you remember anything else this this kid talked about? I'm fascinated by this child. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. I remember because I had just seen the Temple of Doom at that time. And I was talking about the heart scene where they where um, that one character rips out a dude's heart. And then he goes on and and talks about this whole opening and the, the bit where Jason rips out one of the grave diggers hearts. Oh, no way. So to, so to be fair, he did have a reason to bring that up. He did. He you did. You kind of, you kind of teed him up big time. I teed him up huge, but that's all I really remember from the conversation is just this idea of a fence post being struck by lightning. I can remember kids on the school bus debating like if Freddy or Jason would win in a fight, and and, oh. and of course the Freddy versus Jason movie. Um, they were they were talking about that, or or they talk about like Chucky or other kinds of um big horror franchises that a lot of our parents wouldn't let us watch and they'd kind of these 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 tours would would walk us through these violent scenes and we'd all imagine them probably much worse than they actually are because we're kids but yeah that's that's sort of my experience with this one and, and it was really pleasant to, to finally see it and and uh you know compare it with his his oratory skill how was his oratory skills oh he was a great storyteller I love it. Does he tell stories now? Yeah, do we know his name? Can we get him on the pod? (laughs) Is he cool? I have no idea. He's completely lost touch with the guy. If you're listening, uh, tmaopodcast at gmail.com. If this sounds like you... Honestly, if Mitch and I didn't grow up on opposite sides of the province, I would have thought it was me. Were you you out there just describing fucked up stuff to people? I was, yeah. I can imagine young Liam doing this exact kind of thing because I I know you were into horror when you were really young. So I'll have to ask my parents if like I repressed living in Ottawa for a bit as a child. Maybe it was me, Mitch. <laughs> and that's an understandable thing to repress. Yeah, very understandable. I <laughs> wouldn't blame snow day. And it was the outskirts of Ottawa, pretty much. So it's even even more dismal. <laughs> I'd rather be in the inskirts of Ottawa. I'd rather be in Ottawa's skirt, if you know what I mean. Hey! <laughs> um, Liam, surely you're deeply uh, Friday the 13th pilled. I imagine you've been around the block a few times with these. Yeah, yeah, literally. That's that's about my experience. It's, it's been a few times now. So I don't remember where I was at when we did the 2009 remake episode. I don't remember how much I had seen. Um, but at this point, I, uh, I got the box set, the Friday the 13th box set. It was the first box. It was the first 
um release i got after after upgrading to a blu-ray player after all these years and and endeavoring to start collecting movies and so um i walked through all the the friday the 13th movies with my fiance and uh most of them i was seeing for the first time um i had seen the original before that i had seen part four before that and i and i had actually i had seen this opening before that um I remember being at a friend's house and I guess there was like a Friday the 13th marathon on cable. And so I remember watching the fourth movie with him and then we must have gone and done something. And then um, we came back after the fifth movie and and we watched the opening for this sixth movie. But but I don't think we watched the whole movie. Um, and I had seen Freddy vs. Jason. I had seen the remake. But I think... I think that's it. So I got filled in on all the other movies and I just absolutely fell in love with these. It, it became, I would say, my favorite franchise. I mean, the Scream movies are so dear to my heart. And um, I think uh, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's maybe the most consistent franchise to me or the Chucky franchise where I think all those movies are great. And Friday has a, has a, a bit more dippage um, in quality, but honestly, not much. I I love that each of these movies feels so different and just has such a uh, nostalgic quality. Like some of them feel like grimy '80s movies. Some of them feel like blockbuster mainstream '80s movies. I think this movie has more of that quality, and. I just absolutely love the different takes on the character, how they got different directors and writers, I um, different main characters in most of the movies. And so I, I absolutely fell in love with these movies. Um, I basically watched the box set again right after finishing it. I, uh, I got this great book called Crystal Lake Memories. It's a big coffee table book. Um, and it, it, it talks about in detail every single movie. It interviews basically everyone from each movie you know all these actors who might not have acted since and production designers and producers and writers and directors and it does that for every movie and um it really gets into the weeds people are super honest in that book so that's a fascinating read and then i went and watched a, a film adaptation of that book it's called crystal lake memories it's like a seven hour documentary and there's also a great one for um for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And right now I am reading um, a book about Freddy versus Jason, about the making of, of that movie and all the drafts that went into it. Um, and I've, I've gone back and I've watched um, I, basically all these movies with commentary tracks. So I, I've, I've really, I've really uh, grown to love them. And so when Shane said that, that this was going to be the one you know i think i would have been excited for any one of these movies but but this is a really cool one to pick i agree with his reasoning and i think it's a it's a good one to to introduce you to the franchise Corey. i mean um my suggestion if i had it would would just be to watch them chronologically because it is fascinating to watch the the franchise grow i mean you can kind of feel that like it starts to make more money and be be more of a uh, thing that they know that people's eyes will be on you know it's not necessarily that the production values always increase from movie to movie but it's like you can just feel that there's some energy behind the scenes as the jason character becomes larger than life and um so i think i think that's fun to watch in order but this is also a really good middle point it's uh it's right after the fifth movie came out which um uh, a lot of people criticized uh, for for a few different reasons. I I, I don't want to actually spoil it for uh, 
for you guys. But if people have seen that movie, they'll know that that it is quite different than the others. Um, Rom com. Yeah. And uh, so this was this is a uh, kind of a, a reset, and it's also. I'd say the first Friday movie that um, really leans hard into the supernatural thing. You know, they're kind of getting in that in the first five movies, the first four movies, because uh, you, you sort of have to with these horror characters that keep coming back. But but this one pushes it pushes it hard right from the opening, and it does have this comedic tone that is absent in a lot of the other movies. Um, so so it's it's a really it's a really cool one to to talk about. I'm stoked. Yeah, that that sells it pretty well. Is it like, I know this is going to be a tough thing to answer, but like, is it the right one? Like, I know you said it's like a good one, but it's like, because there's a lot of options. Like, is it best to, you think, start here? Or would you, if somebody were to just do this, like of their own volition, would, would you insist upon the chronological option? If it was just watching it at home um, because you want to watch the movies, I, I would I would insist. Um, well, I would I guess I would strongly suggest. You know, I, I understand bouncing around in franchises is fun too. But I would I would strongly suggest just to to go in order. Um, there is a bit of continuity there, and I think uh, um, I think in most cases that's sort of just the the way to to catch up with things. Unless you're dealing with like an entirely um, an anthology type thing. Um, you know, I can't think of many movies right now that do that. I guess the VHS movies, you know, you could, I, I, I wouldn't mind telling someone to go watch the fourth one. If I think there's stuff in it, they'll like, as opposed to watching the others first or like anthology TV series, like black mirror or tales from the crypt, you know, watch whatever, watch whatever you want. You don't need to watch them in order. But, um, with Friday, I, I do think watching them in order is uh, is really cool. And that's not even necessarily because there is a strong continuity. There is, like, the ending of each movie will connect to the other one because they were all building off what had come prior, you know. That's kind of the fun that a director would come in and, and ha- have to think, okay, how do, I, how do I get Jason back? How do I reset this movie? People saw how this movie ended last year, so they are going to be thinking about it. Um, so I've got to do something here. So I think that's fun. I would watch them in order, but for the podcast, I do think this is uh this is probably tied for best pick because um, I think you could you could make a case for for watching any of them. You know, I think it would be really fun to jump right to uh, something like uh, uh, Jason X, which came out um, almost a decade after Jason Goes to Hell, which was the the prior film. So it's just that really is a they made another one. Um, it just it just uh, came out of nowhere and is is sort of a different uh, um, take. And I a did not realize feel. they were so far apart. Yeah, yeah, because after Jason goes to hell, they were trying to get Freddy versus Jason off the ground, and they tried that for like a decade, and it didn't happen. And so they made Jason X and set it in the future because that way it wouldn't interfere with uh, the continuity that Freddy versus Jason would have to build off of. Because if you set it far in the future then they can go back with Freddy versus Jason and do whatever the heck they want. And, and you haven't messed with it. Um, and so I think, I think there's, you can make a case for any one of these, any one of these movies. I mean, the second would, you could make the case because uh, it's, it's a, it's a 
seemingly random sequel to what was supposed to be a standalone slasher. You know, it introduces Jason. And um, you could also say it about the third because it has that 3D gimmick. So it really feels like they're, you know, they're pushing it. They're they're realizing um, that they can keep this story going because the second one really does feel like a, a sequel to the first one. It feels very similar. Whereas the third one really starts to feel different. And then you get like, the final chapter that's supposed to end it so that's a good one to talk about then the fifth one is they made another one as hell because it's coming off something called the final chapter and so you know you can you can really keep going um jason takes manhattan like that one he's in new york so of course that's that's Does he uh, take berlin afterwards not yet i hope so i hope that they'll they'll do that um we're still First waiting to we see what they manhattan, do with the new one yeah. then we take berlin yeah, so I think uh, you could any any one of these would be good. Um, so so I think I think Shane made a great a great pick here. Um, this this really does feel like a nice middle point, right when this is like the uh, this is a watershed moment in the franchise. From this point on, the movies feel quite different. Um, so I, I think I think this is cool. Um, but you know, I would implore you uh, if you're if you're interested. In Friday, I think that this doesn't give a great picture of what else there is in the franchise because each movie is so different, and and this um, is really different than what came before because this has that comedic sort of meta tone to it. There's some there's some self aware jokes in this one, whereas the other movies don't quite have that. They feel a bit grimier. They're lower budget. Um, they're less spectacular. They're more just uh, teens in the woods getting killed a lot of the times um but there but there's a charm to that and uh um this one does feel like a like a different jason uh tom mclaughlin here with the, with this movie really uh decided to do a different take on it than what had come before so i think for that reason it's a good one to talk about on the pod but also um there's a lot more to explore in the franchise yeah i i don't know i feel like i've always heard that the franchise takes a while to get going which has maybe been something that has made me not like prioritize it as heavily knowing that it may take a few movies to like get to something that i'm interested in but also that could just be i happen to be hearing that from people that feel that way and i'm sure other people probably don't feel that way so it's one of those interesting ones where it's like i feel like nightmare on elm street movies have less of that like stark variety over time thing that it sounds like you're describing but i also think um in my opinion at least like the opening movies of that franchise are like all incredible um whereas i've never really heard people make that argument for friday which maybe that's part of why i haven't gotten there yet but there is something comfortable about, about the familiarity. I mean, like, even though I've only seen, like, the first and then, like, bits and pieces of the other one, um, you know exactly what you're going to get. And you're, you're, you're kind of going to have fun with it, I think, no matter what, if you're into that sort of thing. With which one? Sorry? I, I think it doesn't really matter. Like, I think... I think no, like, uh, are you talking about Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street? Sorry. Friday. I... Okay. Friday. I, just, I, think, I, I, think I wasn't sure. Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I think that they, they take... Uh, like big sort of swings and departures like each one they're, they're so different but i think friday i think there's more things in, in common with all of them than not or at least in we mind. are making opposite arguments this is fascinating <laughs> i just made like the opposite of that argument 
I guess. Maybe they're both right. I think I think like like Friday like I think if you watch like a Nightmare on Elm Street like if, like Dream Warriors or like um other ones I feel like I feel like they feel so different. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 feels so different from the first one. Um I don't know. I it feel do- like fr- it doesn't it doesn't, right? Like I don't know. I guess I guess you could make that argument about anything. Saying it doesn't it doesn't um I feel like uh, the Friday the Thirteenth movies to me feel feel very similar. Like I've only like watched, I guess like parts of them on like on like YouTube and like and done that. But I, I to me there there feels like a lot of like Sammy with like a lot of the the midsection, and then there's like crazier outliers like taking on Manhattan or taking on Freddy or stuff like that. But Berlin, yeah, maybe I'm not totally qualified to speak to this because I haven't seen enough of them. <laughs> I, I don't know. If we're talking, about, I literally have seen one Friday the Thirteenth movie. So if we're talking about qualifications, I think we're all speaking out of our asses for Liam most of the time. So, I mean, I think that's just what the show is. True. <laughs> Wildly underqualified podcasters taking big swings and hoping they they land. Yeah, famously, just sort of underqualified. Um, so let's do a quick old. Uh, run through here well i'll make it as quick as i can um the movie as liam mentioned is directed by tom mclaughlin uh who did some episodes of the friday the 13th tv show and freddy's nightmares uh we should get to those someday he also wrote the movie um on imdb it points out that sean s cunningham and victor miller have character credits but they're not actually credited in the movie itself um the movie is edited by Bruce Green, uh, who who did the vanishing, <laughs> like the the original, um, uh, or the American one, the American one, boo. <laughs> um, so we've talked about him before, though, which is always fun. Uh, The Princess Diaries two, Freaky Friday from two thousand and three. Yay. All right, Bruce, you got me back. Home Alone 3. Boo. Bruce Friday and I have a tumultuous relationship. <laughs> okay, Bruce got me back. That's that's wild that he did the fifth and the sixth one. Yeah, He's probably the only piece of continuity between those. <laughs> that I can think of, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, uh, the cinematographer is John Cranhouse and I'm going to hijack the podcast for a second for a special message to uh, MK Podquest co-host Neil <laughs> specifically. Um, John Cranhouse is the cinematographer of four episodes of the television show Raven starring Jeffrey Meek perhaps better known as Raiden from Mortal Kombat Conquest. Uh, we have watched the entirety of that show and the pilot of Raven. I own the soundtrack to Raven on cassette tape. Uh, I think Raven's pretty interesting. Shout out to MK Podcast. Shout out to Neil. Shout out to Jeffrey Meek. Shout out to Raven. And shout out to John Cranhouse for also shooting this movie. And also the movie Kickboxer. That's all I got for John. I'm not qualified enough to boo or yay him. I don't know. And the music is by Friday the 13th mainstay. I knew this without having seen any of the movies. Harry Manfredini. 
that dude. Yeah, so he w- he would be a common element between five and six. Right. So he, uh, in reading his his interviews and, and hearing him talk about these movies, he he really didn't seem to care all that much. He came up with some wicked themes early on, you know, for the first movie and stuff. And then it sounds like he he just sort of. You know, like he'll, he'll talk about his process and he didn't he didn't totally phone it in. But also, it doesn't sound like he's really a fan of these movies. And it was more just uh, it was know, work. It, it was work. It was routine work that he he, uh, he 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 got in place in it early on in the franchise. And then so he would just he would do it, you know, plug the theme in, jimmy it around a little bit. Um, I think he had some fun on the eighth movie. I think I remember him saying that he had fun with Takes Manhattan. Um, but yeah, he he's he's just sort of there bopping around. I mean, good for him. He he made some he made some great iconic themes. Uh, and I do think it's hilarious that he he was just he's the dude who it's like he was with the franchise the whole time. So you think he'd be like a big champion of it? Um, but but it sounds like he's like barely seen the movies. <laughs> Honestly, that's so sick. That's extremely funny to think that. He's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Man, that's great. Um, he also did the music for a few movies we could talk about, including Kickboxer 3, The Art of War, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, and House 2, House 3, and House 4. And also uh, Wishmaster, and then a separate movie called Time Master. Wow, spinoff perhaps? So I guess that means we have talked about him before. Hey, House Two. Yeah, I guess we have. Yeah, I, I forget about that one. No, I saw it in the credits, and I just couldn't remember. I knew we had watched it. I didn't know if it was for this or not. Dang, that really shows we've been doing this a while. That's a wild thought. Well, do you think we just like put it in on VHS tape for funsies? Maybe, maybe we were just vibing. Maybe, maybe we're just being friends. Hate to say it, but that was not the case. That was that one, just like Harry Manfredini. That one was for work only. That's right. Um, we we save our friend time for erotic dramas. Yeah, exclusively uh, with Jason Alexander. Exclusively with Jason Alexander. Check out my letterbox if you want a hint as to what that movie is, people. Yeah. We had a great VCR time. Yeah, really broke it in with an interesting pick. Um. All right, really quick, we've got Tom Matthews as Tom Jarvis, a.k.a. Tommy Jarvis. Um, I got really confused looking at his credits. Um, I'm going to list all the normal-sounding ones, and then the one that confused me. Um, Friday the 13th, The Game. That tracks. Uh, Kickboxer 4, The Aggressor. A lot of kickboxer in these credits. Uh, Return of the Living Dead 1 and 2. And then this, and this is going to come up several times. Friday the 13th Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. And I know what you're thinking. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I missed that one. Um, Friday the 13th Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. It must be a fan film, right? It is. It was kickstarted in the year of our Lord 2022. It's brand new. And it's got several people from this movie in it. Now, here's my biggest question. Um, why are they allowed to call it that? 
Say the title again. It has Friday the 13th in it. If you go to IMDb, it says Friday the 13th Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. And then the poster the poster does not say Friday the 13th on it. But CJ Graham is playing a Voorhees of some kind. Tom Matthews is playing like a bunch of people are reprising roles. And then the poster has a big bloody machete and a Jason mask. And there's a guy in the movie in a Jason mask and Jason's in the movie. Uh, so they found some sort of loophole somewhere, either for the Jason iconography or the name, but the name is only Friday, the 13th vengeance Two bloodlines seemingly on IMDb. But then if you go to the Kickstarter, because you're like, well, surely they weren't allowed to just call it that. But then you go to the Kickstarter, and that's what it's called. The Kickstarter is Friday the 13th Vengeance 2 Bloodlines. And then the title card just says Vengeance Bloodlines Part 2. Interesting. It's very confusing. I would be be curious to see the movie and... um see what they're allowed to do i mean i don't know if you guys have heard about this but there's a there's a legal case that's been ongoing for years and years with friday the 13th um and it's it's part of the reason why there hasn't been a movie uh for 13 years a theatrical movie or or even a tv show um because uh the original friday the 13th was written by one guy not the guy who directed it um a guy, a guy is, who was hired Sean, to write it. Is this Sean S. Cunningham and Victor Miller? Yeah. Yeah, so Victor okay. Miller was the writer of that first movie, hired by Sean Cunningham, who who had the idea for a movie called Friday the 13th um, and, and directed the movie. But a guy named Victor Miller uh, came in and, and wrote the film. And uh, I, I'm not sure if you know this, Corey. I don't think I can get away with not saying it. Um I think you've, you, you, you've learned it before and you told me that you didn't know this. Maybe you've forgotten, so I'm sorry if I'm going to ruin it again. But Jason Jason isn't in the first Friday the 13th movie. It's not I, a Jason I remembered film. this. Yeah. Like he's, he's not a killer. He's he's in the movie. His name is said, and he's he's a kid who drowned. He's like the origin. He's the, he's the reason that the killer is the killer. But the killer is his mom, Pamela. Um, and so Hockey Mask Jason is not in there. Machete Jason is not in there. Uh, the Hockey Mask doesn't even come until the third movie um and by the second movie victor miller was out he he got story credits uh not story credits you know character credits um uh like he does in this movie i guess but um he hasn't written a movie since the first one and sean cunningham has stayed on as a a producer in a lot in in a number of these movies but he's actually been pretty hands-off as well he he was kind of over the friday the 13th after the after the first movie he he got a different dude his friend to direct the second movie um and gradually you know jason got a got a life of his own became his own character separate from victor miller and even kind of separate from from Sean Cunningham, but because Sean was was producer for a lot of these movies and still giving his his input and stuff, um, you know, he he would be the one who uh, I guess of the two of them certainly is most in control of the rights of Jason with the hockey mask as we know him. But Victor Miller is the one who created Jason Voorhees, you know, the the name um, and the kid, and he is also the creator of you know. Uh, um, 
Camp Crystal Lake. And so uh, I, ca I can't speak to know all the all the intricacies because it really is. It's like a court case that's been going on uh, probably even more than we know. Um, uh, these guys are just fighting. Neither of them will let the other person make a movie that, and they won't. They won't give up their their rights to the Friday the 13th name and they won't give up the rights to this idea of Jason as a kid or or as a, a dude with a hockey mask. And so that's why a lot of people now have taken to making fan films. There was a fan film uh, a few years ago that I think um, the Tommy from this movie is also in. It's called Never Hike Alone. Um, and it, it got, is, it got yeah. a, a lot of buzz. Um and so people are just are tired of it, you know. They're, people are aching for a Jason movie, and so I'm not sure the legal way they're allowed to get around that. Maybe if it's not for profit, um, maybe then yeah, they could can be. Do it? Um, I do also wonder, like, how did that remake get made? Then <laughs> that's a good yeah, question. Yeah, so. I think this stuff really ramped up after the remake. Um, they they yeah, were like, able to like the remake had a vision that maybe one of them didn't jive with, and then they got mad, and then a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure if that was the case. I don't know if the remake related to it. I think. Um, um, I mean, they were gonna do a sequel after the remake come out, and then it didn't happen. So, so maybe that's sort of the case. But, but from what from what I've read, um, it just sounds like sometime between. The remake coming out and now which is 13 years later you know that's a lot of time one of them uh has just said uh you know i guess i guess it would be victor miller pushing pushing back because he he has been in control of some of these rights all this time and and has let them carry on and all those movies reference the first movie um so i guess it's been fine up until this point um and i guess at some point he he just he put his foot down and said that uh he doesn't want them to continue going forward like this and um they haven't worked out any sort of settlement it's it's very confusing and and even more confusing now is that there is a tv show coming out um that has been announced i think it's called crystal lake um and i i'm pretty sure the creator said recently the the, the showrunner is is brian fuller he's done like a lot of star trek and i think he's also yeah. tapped to do the new christine movie um he he i think i think he put out a tweet saying that like adult jason is going to be in this so it's people people assumed when that title came out uh because it's a prequel series they said that it's called crystal like people thought okay they're there it's going to be a tv show because um they can do that i think what the a lot of the fight is over a theatrical release and so they're going to go tv show um and it's just going to be based around the stuff from the first movie um but then i think brian fuller said that adult jason is going to be in it so it's all very that, fascinating that, that could be as little as a cameo potentially and then he can say adult jason's in it and then people get excited but then maybe like he got the creators to agree on like you can use them to do this like something that's already basically from the movie and then, like, if it's not a new thing, maybe that's how they're getting away with it. Um, yeah, it could be. I, I really don't know. He says, there's a quote here that says, uh, um, someone asked him, which characters and locations and whatnot are you allowed to use? This is on Fangoria. And he says, everything. We can use everything. We can go to hell, go to space. I mean, 
that I feel like that I'm glad kinda... they don't have a trademark on the concept of going to hell. That's right. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of dodging the question because question. that's not it what is. the person would have meant. No, what they meant is, hey, is Jason gonna be in this? Is it is he gonna look like Jason and be Jason? Right. Yeah. Because the show's already called Crystal Lake. It doesn't matter if you can go to hell. Well, that wasn't the question. I don't think yeah. anybody really wants that too. Yeah, that was a guy who couldn't give an answer and knew that he couldn't give an answer. Yeah, so I, I'm very <laughs> curious uh, to see what happens, and I'm also I'm aching for a theatrical movie. I I just I salivated the idea of being able to walk into the theater, get some yeah. popcorn, and sit down for a Jason movie and not know what's coming. Um, I feel yeah. like I I need that now. I've got Scream since I became a fan. I've got Halloween. Um, we've got similarly. These Texas I feel like we need. And- we need a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yes. It's been like a decade. Like, yeah, yeah, they've they've both sort of languished, right? Nightmare came out just a year after Friday, and then they've they've both just been chilling. And um, the iron is hot right now, you know? Slashers are big again with Halloween and Scream, and I think it would be gangbusters. And um, it is interesting that they, they haven't just spit it out. Um, uh, so it that makes like me creators- think that- are leaving a significant amount of money on the table, not kissing and making up over this, right? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would think so. But I guess it's like, uh, you know, because the rights are kind of split up there. Um, I guess they want to make sure that they get enough money, like not just now but going forward, so they don't want to give up any sort of rights. Um, and that's that's a lot of how Fre- Freddy versus Jason uh, stalled for so long because. Um, there you're sort of dealing with two different studios because um, the Friday movie started off being made by Paramount. And then for the seventh movie, they were acquired by New Line, which is the studio that does Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, But Paramount still owned some rights uh, to earlier stuff. And so it, it was like, you have to satisfy the, the, the Friday rights holders and the nightmare rights holders in making this movie. And so it's incredible that that ended up happening too. So I think, I think we just got to be patient. I mean, they know how much money is on the table in all of these cases. I've also heard that, um, you know, nightmare and Elm street movies have, have been in the works for, I mean, since the last one came out and it's just with Wes Craven dead, you've also got to satisfy his estate. And so, um, I, I think yeah. people are constantly working at it, and I'm just I'm eager to see yeah. what happens. Well, and weirdly, I bet now that they are making Scream movies, especially this next one where they've gone, okay, fuck it, Scream takes Manhattan. Like, I wonder if maybe something like Wes Craven's estate is worried about just getting like pilfered, right? Like, I think that's understandable because both of those franchises are so intertwined with him specifically that to maybe they don't want to just give it up that easily or just being like okay go do whatever the fuck you want like i think so yeah and scream at least had kevin williamson who who yeah. wrote um uh, all of them to some extent and um so he was able to 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 be a champion and um you know, having been close with Wes, I'm sure that helped a lot. Whereas Nightmare on Elm Street, certainly that first movie, that was Wes Craven's baby. He he wrote and directed that one, and then the others, you know, sort of uh, had nothing to do with him. Um, 
But now we're at the point where if Nightmare on Elm Street is going to come back, you've got to satisfy the dude who created it all, or at least, you know, the, 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 the family of the dude who created it all. And so, um, who knows? Who knows? We might have time to get to every Friday movie before another one comes out. But but when it comes Honestly, out, you know, it'll be hot. We can we can talk right about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make uh, an executive decision here quick, which is that every, I wrote a lot of credits for some of these people. Everybody's getting one. <laughs> Just <laughs> in it. the interest of time. <laughs> um, here, here. I'm here for that. Jennifer Cook plays Megan. Uh, she's in something called V. Uh, CJ Graham plays Jason. Uh, one thing I want to mention about CJ Graham is that he was just sort of a guy. And then they were like, hey, do you want to play Jason Voorhees? The guy that we got sucks. Yeah, yeah. He was a military dude. And he so he just he just went through it all. He just did everything he was told. Yeah, following orders. It's tough to be Jason, man. You gotta, you. It's like a stunt performer job, right? You gotta do tough yeah. stuff, and apparently, uh, he just, he just did it. He is also in. I would have yawned. Oh boy. Oh, sorry. It's <sighs> uh, contagious. He is also in Friday the Thirteenth: Vengeance Two Bloodlines. Um, David Kagan plays Sheriff Garris. Uh, he was on Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, Carrie Noonan plays Paula. She was in something called Nightmare on the 13th Floor. Renee Jones plays Sissy. She was in 1,757 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. One thousand seven hundred fifty-seven episodes of Days of Our Lives. That's Dude. a lot. I feel like I haven't even been alive that amount of days. Like that just and sounds like so many. They That's were more days in my life. Man. Um. Also, a more movie called "The Terror Within 2, which I mentioned because it it fits the bill. Um. Tom Fridley has a lot of interesting credits, I could say, but the one I'm going to go with is Oy vey, my son is gay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's from like 2018, too, or something crazy like that. Like, what? Um, I want to actually fact check that really fast. But it's like newer than you'd want it to be <laughs> to be called that. Um, 2009. Okay, I read 2019. It's 2009. So it's still a little newer than you'd want. But I don't know. It's got Carmen Electra, which is also weird, actually, that she's in that movie. Um, and uh, it appears that uh, Bruce Valanche is on the poster, who we talked about recently, I think. Yeah, they were in Breathless, like last week. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Whatever. Kind of getting sidetracked here. Um, uh, Darcy DeMoss plays uh, Nikki, also in Friday the 13th Vengeance 2 Bloodlines, uh, and also Return to Horror High. Oh, um, I love that movie. Yeah, I mentioned it here. I'm squeezing in extra credits for people who are in stuff that I've already said because I wanted to shout out that one. Is that a TMAO movie? Is there a just Horror High and then is the Return a sequel? 
There isn't, but I have it on our list as a cheeky season finale movie along it the lines like of it sounds like it could be. Buckaroo yeah. Bonsai and and Hamlet 2. So yeah, I would I would love to do that at the end of a season. Oh, I forgot about Hamlet 2. What a movie. How could Great you forget? Movie. I can't believe that movie exists. Um uh Nancy McLaughlin plays Elizabeth um in some Elizabeth Elizabeth, L-I-Z-B-E-T-H. Wow. Frankly, not even sure which person that is. Um, she She's the one who says she's seen enough horror movies to know. Uh, ah. Yeah. Oh, and the car. Not. Right, at the beginning. Uh, she's in something called Fab Five, the Texas cheerleader scandal. Hmm. Sounds Ooh, like a documentary. Fab yeah, Perhaps. can we do that as a season finale? <laughs> Uh, Tony Goldwyn plays Darren. Uh, he's getting more than one credit. Sorry. Uh, he's in the brand new movie Plane. Uh, but also he was in Ghost and was on a bunch of episodes of Scandal and is also literally Tarzan from the animated movie Tarzan and also um, plays Tarzan in Kingdom Hearts. Um, so that's Tony Goldwyn. Uh, Alan Bloom Blumenfeld is Larry. Uh, he was in uh, the video game Jack Two, and also the first one. <laughs> but it's funnier to say that. Matthew Faison is Stan, uh, who is in Puppet Master Three. Anne Ryerson plays Katie. She was in Caddyshack. Ron Palillo plays Alan. He was in um, Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster. Wow. There's really a movie out there for everything, isn't there? Yeah, there's also Trees 2, The Root of All Evil. <laughs> we gotta watch that. I'm putting, I'll put it on the list. Put it on the list. I'm making maybe, a I'm not right. do, maybe we're not doing Drake and Josh next. Making week. a note right now. And then... Uh, yeah, there's a few other people. Uh, Vincent uh, Gostafaro, Michael Swan, Courtney Vickery, Whitney Rydbeck, Bob Larkin, Wallace Merck, Roger Rowe, Cynthia Kenya, Michael Nomad, Justin Noel, Tommy Noel. Those are the boys, by the way. Wait a minute. I've just noticed something weird. So uh, one of those boys is named Billy. Perfectly reasonable name for a child to have. Uh, the other kid is named a, a name I've never seen in my life. Um, the other kid is named Tyen. How are you going to tie That's this his character in? name? Yeah. I wonder if they say it or if they just decided to throw that into the, the cast list. T-Y-E-N. I, I haven't heard that before either. Is he a Tyen character? <laughs> Tyen uh, I think it's a nice name. It's an interesting one for sure. Um, I did not get a chance to look at the credits for those people, which is why I went through them so fast. Sounds fine to me. Um, this God, it's been fifty-four minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna be up so late today. Zoinks. Um, this movie is about. What happens? This is essentially fuck around and find out the motion picture. Actually, 
is how I'm going to describe it. I think that's it's, a really it's, good way to put it. It's about being profoundly selfish. Yes. Um, so Tommy Jarvis is like, I don't know, he's being some kind of big baby because I don't know, somebody like killed his family or something. I genuinely don't totally know what happened to him, but whatever. Uh the movie just makes it sound bad. So This is Corey uh, Feldman grown up, by the way. What? Corey Feldman or, or is Tommy in the fourth one. Originated the oh. character. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. that really threw me for a little bit for a second. Um so he is in some kind of psychiatric institution on account of some stuff with Jason happened. And he's like, sure, Jason's dead or whatever. Uh, I want to prove it to myself by going to his grave and then digging up his grave and then pulling a metal fence post out of a fence and then stabbing it through his heart. And then it gets struck by lightning and oh no, he's been Frankenstein to life. Couldn't they have done this in fair weather, you know? I mean, I, everybody goes and robs a grave when it's thunder and lightning, right? The, the old well, Edgar Allan Poe treatment. The started when they got there. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just think you should just do it on a clear night. Why take a chance? But <laughs> Tommy Jarvis is profoundly selfish. Um. So, uh-oh, we've accidentally reanimated the corpse of Jason Voorhees, and he's so mad about it. Oops. Fuck. I hate when that happens. Fuck, it's so embarrassing. And he just, we're, we're apologizing, but he just, he won't take it for an answer. He's so mad. And um, he starts tearing people's hearts out and killing everybody. And um, they go to the police and by they i mean tommy jarvis because his friend is because his heart ripped out and thrown into a grave and um he's like hey man we got a big jason situation um and the sheriff goes what who's jason you're under arrest cam crystal lake never heard of it um they've renamed this whole county to try to rid them of the scourge of jason um and then uh what happens is they go to what was what was once Camp Crystal Lake, it is being a weekend summer camp. There are counselors there. And uh, Tommy Jarvis is not being believed. They think he's some kind of psychiatric freak show. And um, they try to lock him up. He's like, I need to go kill Jason. Nobody believes him. And all the while, Jason's out there committing moitas. And uh, they need to stop him eventually. That's the gist of it. That sounds That's what you me. need to know. You've said that a lot today. I have. You all right? Do you want to talk about it? Uh, <laughs> we can wait. Stay tuned for a bonus episode where we uh, examine Mitch Kudrowski's psyche. Oh dear! Do people want? Would people pay for us on Patreon for that? For uh, look at Mitch's psyche specifically, or bonus stuff in general? Uh, Mitch's psyche specifically, but I'd also be willing to extend it to uh, bonus episodes of all of our psyches in general. Yeah, I think someone would i don't know if like a lot of people would but we didn't someone even get paid would. for the pod how someone get wow i don't know man we got a full ice vcr in the mail that's it's payment of a sort that's true i am a real head case as well so i feel like i feel like you know if you want the dirt just look the other day i had a wild dream i ate a baconator before bed which is highly inadvisable rookie move you should have went with a whoppy junior yeah and so i was tossing and turning violently in my sleep 
and so violently, in fact, that I literally just threw my head into my bedside table and I have a large scar above that my That was eyebrow. after a Baconator? Yeah, it was yeah. a bacon, Baconator <laughs> Dreams. And Fucking also maybe a guilty conscience. <laughs> yeah, there's a big scar on my eyebrow now. I Baconator look- Dreams and a guilty conscience is one of the funniest combinations of words you've ever said. <laughs> no. Dude, that Baconator anyway. the shit out of you. You know, that, that baconator, I got double bacon too because I needed to round up to get free delivery. And oh. it's not just bad for my cholesterol. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Baconator dreams. That baconator Freddy krueger you. It sure did. Also, you know, I, Liam, I I heard you get get a good chuckle out of Whoppy Junies. I do have to just say that that is not a Corey Price original. Ah. Uh, that is from... Uh, world-renowned harpist and uh, instrument pedal aficionado Emily Hopkins, who you can watch on YouTube. Dang. Well, you can keep the chuckle. It was still good. Yeah. Um, so, if you want to pay us money for, for something along those lines, you can. We'll figure it out. If people start doing that, I mean, sure. Whatever. Who am I? What do I care? <laughs> You sound so, desperate. Uh, nah. So, uh, so Friday the 13th, uh, part six, Jason lives, huh? I feel like, you know what, Liam, set the stage here. Is this one of your faves? It is one of my faves. Um, before I watched it, I, I, I would have said it is my fave. Um, and that, that hasn't always been the case. That's part of what I love about this franchise so much is I think there is a, there's a stretch in the middle of this franchise where everyone was just a five out of five to me. I was just, they're so fun to watch back to back. They have such a, such a, like a lively character to them. Um, and so this was one of them, especially on a franchise run through um, this one when it comes in with the comedy, it comes in with the self-awareness, um, the gravitas of the supernatural Jason. Um, it feels so big. Um, it really is like a, a nice change of pace. And uh, I think it's so clever. And I think it also keeps Jason scary. I think it's got some some great kills in it. I think it has some really likable characters, some great subversion of not only horror tropes, but... Uh, just um, character tropes. And so I think this movie's a blast, though I will say this time around, just I guess the mood I was in, what I was in, what I was feeling, I didn't like it as much as I did last time. And now I would say maybe, maybe this one isn't my favorite right now. Um, I had this one logged as a, as a five out of five on Letterboxd. After this time watching it, I dropped it to a, to a 4.5. Um, and that's not to say it won't go back up. I mean, I watched Scream a few years ago with my with my nephew, and who knows how how uh, how many times I'd watched Scream up to that point. So many. And that time, I was like, you know what? This movie kind of has some problems for me. I uh, I dropped it down to a four point five. Uh, some stuff just kind of didn't sit right with me. I thought, man, this movie is kind of an imperfect an imperfect masterpiece to me. Um, and, and that's kind of bugging me right now. So I 4.5'd it, and now you know I've seen that movie multiple times since. It's back at a uh, back at a five out of five. I I, I love 
um, even the things that I thought I disliked at that time, uh, they, they came back around to working for me. And so that very well could happen again. But uh, this time around, I think I, uh, I'll, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about the things that, that dragged the movie down for me just a tiny bit. But I really do think this movie has an energy to it. I think, I think the opening in particular is uh, such a great setup for for uh, any any movie let alone a jason movie um i think it 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 really is unique in the franchise in the way that it has a uh, a propelling story i think it it feels very big i think it feels like a uh, a remake of the movie might feel today um and the fact that it just it came out in the jason assance and and tom mclaughlin <laughs> came out from an outside perspective and was just able to 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 pull this off to sort of uh twist the character around re-examine it and and, and recontextualize him i think is so cool um and this this movie has some of my all-time favorite friday the 13th moments um so i yeah i love this movie i think i think it's awesome you got me a little bit but like i watched a movie in a mood and now i feel a certain way about it based on that mood yeah yeah and and i'm not surprised you know i've i've felt that uh every time i've sort of watched this franchise through i have different favorites at different times um and so i i don't feel too disappointed cuz i know that i'm going to watch this movie again and even if it never goes all the way up again and i I would be surprised if 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 it doesn't because it really does have this uh this energy to it um that i just love but even if it doesn't go up you know nine out of ten is 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 pretty heckin awesome so uh so i'm all right with it it is pretty heckin awesome dude (laughs) and i'm so curious to hear what what you guys think coming coming at this from a different angle i will say it is interesting the degrees to which this does like it's weird to call it like I think you're putting too fine a point on it to call it like proto scream because scream was so far away like I didn't realize to what extent these movies were starting to get a tone like this at well, 10 years scream, exactly 10 years was a decade away like that being said though Corey like think of kevin williamson growing up this would have been one of his movies he saw as a kid and in fact yeah he, he actually contacted tom mclaughlin they ran into each other at some point and he said that jason lives was huge for me that was absolutely uh, an influence on scream uh, because of the way you you winked at the audience and and were self-aware about uh, the tropes of horror movies so uh so so mitch you and i are coming at this from similar angles mm-hmm. potentially um what is it, what is it that you thought about the motion picture that we watched today? I thought it was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a really good time watching it. It's not too long. It doesn't outstay its welcome and has some really well designed set pieces and kills some likable characters. Right from the outset, Liam was talking about this paranormal gravitas, the supernatural undead Jason, and I have to agree with him there. It, the fact that the, that whole resurrection scene feels like it's been lifted out of out of like nineteen thirties horror camp right the idea of like it's alive the bolt of lightning resurrected our 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 slasher and um so that's all fun and then immediately afterwards in that credit sequence it has almost the james bond gun barrel sort of sequence right so you know exactly what you're going to 
get like they're going to have a bit more fun with it and um i really like that in some ways it feels like a return to form like like you're back in crystal lake familiar trappings familiar characters camp counselors like you it it feels like a friday the 13th movie you're not in space so you're not in hell or you're not fighting freddy uh you're not in manhattan you're not in manhattan right it's it's it is very much it feels like a grassroots return to to crystal lake even though they changed the name but um so it's a lot of fun and there's there's all this sort of um goofy 80s charm the oversized fucking laser on that guy's 357 right reminds me of what the terminator is using in the first one um it's 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 a movie that i really enjoyed my time with um and i really enjoyed a lot of the kills i i especially loved that first one where they're they're playing chicken with jason on this muddy road and they're like okay well we can't turn around so let's see if we can scare him off by driving into him um and then the that that the both of those kills are great like the when he stabs through the windscreen and she runs out the side and she tries to pay jason there's there's all these elements of comedy there in that particular set piece and then finally he gets her through the muck and it's so brutal the way that the kills are edited too made me jump um there there's something to be said for the style of editing uh with with these um with these kills they're 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 all outstanding and uh my my i think my only issue is is that i didn't find the ending to be extremely satisfying just with him uh chained at the bottom of the lake and they hit the propeller into his face it's like okay i found that that climax was just sort of so so but uh i think the events leading up to that with all the police officers milling around the, the camp and being picked off one by one and, and um, the kids too, I think the insertion of, of, of the kids and, and all of their anxieties and, and just kids being kids um, in, in these very bleak situations makes, makes for really good comedy and really good camp. So I had, I had a really good time. I don't know if it's like a nine out of 10, like Liam puts it, but um. I really enjoyed it, and I want to seek out more Friday the Thirteenth movies because I, I I could see myself going on a roll and just having a, a great time with that. So it's positive for me uh, through and through. I re, I, re, I think it's a really well designed movie. I, again, the the upgrade with uh, the production design I think really pays off here um, and elevates at the higher budget. It, it's uh, it's they definitely can go to some really fun places. So it's a yes for me. I think some of the acting is definitely poor in, in some places with some of the supporting characters, but even though it might be poor, it's, it's very charming. And uh, so for me, it's a yes. Also another, another note too. I think it's interesting by the time this franchise would have come out, right? All these these uh critics came out of the woodwork and were like ebert and siskel or many others come rallying against these dead teenager movies right and i I feel like in this movie they finally they're kind of like listening to their critics and there's there's this this tongue-in-cheek uh kind of element to the kills and to to like (laughs) to all of it that that it feels like they're really just kind of having fun and they they know what their critics are going to say and they're, they're doing it anyway and and having fun with it so it, it's for me a, a really good movie i i, I want to see more nice that's awesome 
bring it home, Corey. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this movie rules. Um, I think this movie's really good. I think it's very fun. It does leave me somewhat concerned. And by that, I mean, I don't... I'm very curious about what the rest of these movies are like, knowing that this was an outlier of sorts, at least compared to what came before it. Because I'm like, the primary thing here that I'm enjoying is like the level of camp and awareness and like the comedy of that and and sort of the lightness of the tone and how it explores that. So it does make me wonder about where things would fit in terms of like a series overall look um, because I, I know they're not all like that. But what's here I think is great. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys have said all the reasons why. But uh, it's it's a very 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 fun movie, and the ways in which the 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 comedy has a meta element does feel at least mildly ahead of its time. By which I mean, like I am fairly confident that by 1986, the slasher boom had been going on in such a large chunk of the mainstream for so long that surely you were getting movies that had a level of awareness like it, but I'm, I highly doubt they all execute as well as this does. So that's very nice. Yes. Yeah. I think this movie is, is quite unique in that way. Um, the other Friday movies, they, they do have this playfulness, you know, they're not, they're not all that dark i mean i'd say they're they're lighter than the halloween movies they're certainly lighter than you know texas chainsaw movies um because even though that second one has some absurdist comedy in it you know the the images are so stark um that uh those feel a lot a lot more dismal to me whereas the friday the 13th movies even the early ones um they do have this level of um perhaps unintentional camp sometimes in terms of the kills. Um, but also they have, uh, you know, they kind of, they kind of play around with the, the fun of having a, a teenager off on their own, getting up to something and, th- and then getting killed. I think they knew that they were popcorn movies. Like the third one is in 3d, right? It's a lot of stuff coming at the camera. They knew that they were making movies that, that kids would go see and, uh, and yell at the screen at. Um, but I think how this movie is unique in the franchise is, uh, in, in that postmodern, I guess you could even say in that meta sense, the, the, the straight up winking at the camera, um, and the way that it wraps it up in sort of a, a typical monster movie. I mean, Mitch totally nailed it at the beginning there with the, the thirties monster movie influence that that's definitely the inspiration to the director there. And, and the director isn't actually all that much of a fan of slasher movies. You know, he's, uh, um, he was looking to create a movie that, that felt, um, a bit, uh, a bit more, I think like, a like a, a big, um, spectacular, action movie with kills in it like i think this this kind of feels more like a uh like a a spielberg movie to me not not in the in the construction i mean but in terms of like the this is just meant to be big and crowd pleasing um 
and uh, take the audience for a ride. You know, uh, it, it goes uh, down uh, real easy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's so uh, approachable, and I I feel like so many slashers aren't necessarily or they're not going to be your bag. But but um, like if you're not if you're not into that, but but I think this one separates itself. It it, it it's just so palatable. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think this this is you know the more I think about it, probably the most accessible Friday movie i mean i would certainly recommend others and and i love others and i might even call some of the other ones my favorite but you know like like part four which is often held up as as the best one a lot of people hold up six as well but it it kind of it, it really does depend on who you're talking to and what point in time the conversation is at. you know these things change the consensus changes over time but the fourth one is is really held up and i would say that that is a that is a, a slasher movie through and through you know that the fourth movie is actually made by the dude who did the prowler uh okay you know? I, I really like that movie so Ooh. that's that's the kind of that's kind of what you're getting in that movie is it, it is a it is a, a a dark slasher movie it actually has one of the most haunting slasher sequences i've ever seen in my life i I won't spoil it for you guys but if someone has seen the movie i'll say that it's uh the way that a character responds to to being killed it's it's one of the most haunting things i can i can ever think of um i kind of want to know a negative yelp review (laughs) i'll i'll uh i'll tell you i'll tell you afterwards mitch okay Um, uh, yeah. But but it it does have that fun quality as well. You know, it's a slasher movie. I think I think it's fun. Um, but again, and- kind of kind of elevated in that in its in its uh, where it kind of comes from and, and where it pulls its punches. Right? Like I, th- I haven't seen a slasher movie that kind of goes back to the to like the the fifties like that and and the opening scene and and all of that. I think more slashers need that sort of period piece opening. <laughs> that that this movie has, you mean? I know that the Prowler has. Oh, that the Prowler has. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, it is. It is. It is quite unique. So, um, yeah, I think the Friday movies have that all around, and I think that that this movie um, really is a a cool type of flavor that the other movies aren't going to give you. I and mean, I, like, I I think this is a honestly uh, a great kids horror movie. You know, not a not a super young kid, but but I think if you've got a a kid who's interested in horror, maybe like a I might be kind of a freak, so I don't know if like 10 years old is pushing it. but I don't know, 10, um, 12, 11, yeah, that's fine. I, I, yeah, I think 10, 12, 11, um, this would be a great one. I think I think the earlier uh, Jason movies, Friday movies, are much more likely to scare kids. They have a lot more nudity in them, a lot more, a lot more blood, whereas I think this movie is a really interesting middle point. Um, Nary a single naked woman. Yeah, yeah I, don't think, I don't think there's one, not one. That's right. No, conscious. Yeah, she is fully clothed. This is fun yeah. for the whole family. So that that was a conscious choice. Um, the director, you know, wasn't interested in doing in doing that salacious material that the previous movies had done. So he insisted that the characters be clothed. only ripping people's hearts out for me. <laughs> yeah, he insisted those characters be clothed in that scene and that there be um, some comedy in there. And also, b- by this point, the franchise had gone on long enough and been popular enough that with each movie, the MPAA just kept tightening the restrictions uh, on friday movies in particular i mean you can find bloodier mainstream movies from the same time but um by all accounts from people who worked on the friday movies the mpaa just had it out for the friday movies and so with every movie they were just getting 
more strict and more strict. And so there are um, much gnarlier cuts of these scenes that, that you can find um, on the Blu-ray where it's like a, a lower quality version of you're seeing more gore, you're seeing full head squishes and stuff like that. Um, and this movie does, does a lot of cutaways. And I think that gives a really interesting quality to the film i mean you're, you're certainly seeing blood this is a rated r movie but um but it 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 kind of is a bit more uh tension building and leaves some stuff to the imagination and i think that's a that's a cool quality what did you guys think about the kills in this movie in general i, I do think it's interesting that you said that they're they're sparing right i was kind of thinking that too i was and it's interesting too that you make the connection to the prowler because that is a film that is the inverse of that where it's the ki- all the kills in that film are fucking gnarly. Like, uh, but but in this one, it, it, it's dialed back, and and that's what I mean partially when I mean that it's more palatable, right? Like I think, uh, like some of the other kills from the Friday the Thirteenth movies are are fucking gross, um, but this one they're constructed in such a way that that they still keep like the the interesting nature of like a of building a set piece around a kill, um but without being like overly gratuitous about it and also still being able to have fun with it. Like I think that whole sequence in the camper van, when the van's driving and Jason just like busts out of the door after it goes down like that, that's ridiculous. Um, but it, it's well constructed and it's not, it's not uh, like too harsh. And so, yeah, I think you could show this to like a, like a teen, like a young somebody who's like approaching their teens or like in their early teens and it would be fine. What did you think of the kills, Corey? Um, they're good. I don't think they're really like, I ironically, I don't know if they're totally what you're, no, I don't want to say it that way. Um, they're funny, but I don't like, you may not be here for that. Like I'm sure some people are just like, nah, I want I want my kills to be gross and like fucked up. And it's like bad news. Uh Jason gets a machete in this movie because there's a guy holding a machete and he like rips an arm off of a guy. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess I have a big knife now. Or like somebody shoots him with a paintball gun and he's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Um like they're very silly. Um slapstick at times almost. Yeah. Um, but that that works for me. No, I like it too. I'm just saying that like it does it does feel distinct, but I like it. The movie feels goofy as fuck. And I can I condone that immensely. It's it's goofy, but I think they also definitely keep up the the scares in some ways too. Like there is there is like this like ah, I don't know. <laughs> not not necessarily the scares, but like there is like this uh it's it there's a balance between like goofy and like cold right like like i think the uh the whole chicken sequence that i was talking about at the start where she pulls out her amex card and and her money and she's trying to pay off jason and there's that kind of desperation and us as the viewer there's that kind of uh dramatic irony where where we know he's not going to take the fucking money and and then like she's just there's that that long shot where her head's just like underwater and there's the spike in there and it's like holy fuck like the build-up to that was a little bit goofy a little bit tense but the payoff itself was pretty fucking cold 
Yeah, I think I think it has it has both those qualities as well. I think the Paula death, um, the that's the that's the character who um, is just in the cabin. She's the counselor looking around for, uh, you know, she thinks something's up. She opens the door, nothing's there. Eventually, Jason bursts in, and then later on, the cop finds her cabin, and it's just caked in blood, blood everywhere, all over the walls. Um, and I, I think that I think that's scary. I think that's a scary scene. I think that's a really good horror scene and a good horror aftermath. And then I also think that um, this movie has plenty of kills that are, you know, made me yelp, um, but in a in a fun sort of way uh, because the director isn't uh, particularly a fan of of slasher movies. He he endeavored to make the kills over the top in sort of a, a cartoonish way, punching out the heart. That, that's why he wanted to bring Jason back as a supernatural creature, he says, because once you, once you buy that Jason can come back from the dead, then, then you buy that he's able to punch out people's hearts. He's able to squish their heads. And in my favorite, he's able to uh, uh, push the officer back over himself uh, and that's crush a great his spine. One. That's my favorite. And again, um, kind of cold. For sure, yeah, and the fact that they they show that, you know, um, and I guess they can get away with showing that because it's just a sound effect. It's it's a practical effect. There's no blood, um, but it is really, I think, kind of haunting the way he's he's flailing, and it. I could just, I could feel it that it's happening to him. And his um, daughter's only yards away, too, right? Oh so. yeah, yeah. So I think this movie walks a uh, walks uh, a really I cool line. It was pretty funny. <laughs> You're a sick bastard and, it, yeah, and again maybe. it also works as as a joke too because i mean like the, fl- in, they fold a man in half like i mean <laughs> it's extreme and it's funny but it, the, it, i think it can be both yeah when one of the counselors gets killed i laughed extremely hard i don't even know if this was intentional but she gets thrown through the window and like half of her body is hanging out and then she really forcefully gets pulled back into the room yeah yeah that's Paul. and it looks it looks fucking hilarious <laughs> That one bit where two with the, with the camp counselor who's always on the lookout for Jason and she's scanning constantly, turning her head left and right, and then Jason turns her head all the way around. I mean, there is a like oh, a, yeah. a, a tinge of irony there that, that, that I appreciate. How do we feel about the the whole deal with with Tommy and this cop? I think it's kind of wow. Go on. Oh. Do you mean like in the in the sense that like the the cop has it out for Tom and he's like you got to get out of this town blah 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 yeah yeah like just, I don't know it's, it's it's the one significant thing I feel like we haven't touched on yet so I don't know I feel like it I feel like it's just sort of it feels like like filler to me like I don't I don't think that it serves a really huge narrative purpose even though I guess it is like the central narrative I'm I'm not really watching this movie for that. I'm I was just it was when that was going on I was just nodding my head and being like okay okay like he's got it out for you whatever let's get back to Jason um you know this time around I I really was into that and the filler that struck me um was ironically stuff that I really like um 
is like when we when we see uh the couple driving that finds jason on the road or the couple who's out on like a picnic at night in the woods um this is That's great filler yeah the, the the woods bit i think the road bit's really great <laughs> playing chicken with you i i love these scenes by themselves um the paintball scene is another one that uh uh, you know, goes on quite long, and it it's all just to kill off a character that we're we're being introduced to, and then they're being killed in in or, that very or the same one misogynistic scene. character with the machete, right? Like that, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we so, can't have women in our war games. <laughs> so like, we're doing war out here. This is stuff that I like. I like in a slasher movie. Um, I like this idea of just like this this small town is like bustling with activity, and people are just happening happening to run into jason and and getting got where i uh wasn't all the way on board with it this time around was the the opening scene happens and i think it is it's a brilliant opening scene i think not only is it is it uh visually very um very uh impressive very grabbing uh with jason coming back and this is a different jason than we've seen before i also think it does a great job at catching catching us up as to who these characters are our main character what his uh what his goal is he's very singularly focused he's it's building off where he was in the fifth movie but also uh giving him a sort of new identity i mean it's played by a different actor than than played the adult version of him in the last movie and so i think it it really does work great in that sort of in that reboot sense and um it sets it up that okay he's resurrected jason um and now jason's coming for him and what what is he going to do and so I th- I think it hooks me f- for the movie, and then I I really liked the cop stuff um, because I think it's a great push and pull. It's a great way to have um, tension while we know that Jason is coming. It's sort of this um, this. Uh, it it becomes this Hitchcockian thing of like the wrong man, you know, where uh, where the cop people start to turn up dead, and the cop thinks that it's Tommy doing it. Um, I really like that turn. I also like the dynamic where the cop has a daughter who is, uh, who's not like him at all and has really taken a liking to Tommy. Um, I think, I think that is, is awesome. And so I found that um, pulling away to see these other characters just for a scene, like in, in the paintball scene, um, and and even in the road scene, even though I love it as a as a horror movie scene, I would have liked the movie to to better lace those scenes into the strong narrative that it had established right at the beginning. Because I think once you start to kill off these characters who have been in the movie since the beginning, um, uh, like Court in the in the RV, I I think that is so awesome and and hits on multiple levels because i'm getting a great slasher kill and i'm also um seeing the the story progressed and seeing a a character who i was previously familiar with um get a knife in his head yeah i mean for for me the whole like the the tommy jarvis stuff it it feels kind of it feels kind of rote like it's just like you are the legacy character he's the one you want and all of a sudden he has this idea that's like oh to kill jason we must chain him to the bottom of the lake and 
there's there's all these things that move really quickly and mechanically don't don't really work i mean that whole character feels um like a clunky mechanism i i think um within the movie whereas so many other parts of this film just feel like fresh and organic and fun whereas that particular character feels written to me um he certainly feels acted to me i, I that's another one of my uh yeah qualms with this with this movie this time around um and i felt it the first couple times i watched it um but i was just so high on the rest of it that i that i i was able to um push it aside but i i i don't quite like the the tommy actor in this film which is weird because i like him in other movies return of the living dead and uh um and i and i don't think he's 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 all the way bad but i think that he uh he just feels much more stilted and and big than a lot of the other characters um he does he doesn't really have this nuance in the way he's delivering lines i think his his singular focus at the beginning of the movie you know i think it works really well in the opening scene and then it turns out that there there isn't actually that much more depth to him he really does feel like this device yeah and so yeah. that that bums me out as well. You know, I like it. I really like it in concept. I like anchoring the movie with this main character, um, but his performance and that he isn't given much else to do beyond be focused on Jason. Kind of kind of bums me out. I th- I think I think Megan gets a lot out of him because I think I think uh, she she's a really interesting character that that has that depth to her. And so I I like seeing them interact um but but i would have liked for him to be to be a bit more fun what about you Corey? how do you feel about that cop stuff and and that main tommy character um i feel similarly i do think he feels distinct from everybody else uh the effectiveness of that i guess is is up to how intentional you think it is um, but you definitely feel how desperate he feels about this whole situation. But I think it's funny contrasting him with like with like the court performance or something. And this, those feel like two very different different things. Yes, because um, he's so good. I love to, court. Also, also, like I spent so long trying to place if I had seen that actor and other stuff, and then uh, the internet led me to find out that he's just is related to John Travolta. And he just looks like John Travolta, and that's why I thought that. Um, wow! Because I hadn't seen the guy who played Court and shit, but he sure is John Travolta's nephew. So, dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so, he's, he's got a great, great look to him. Um, but no, I love the sheriff. The sheriff's a fucking psycho. Uh, I think it's great. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it is a good touch point for um it's a good comparison point for like the paintball stuff and how that kind of it feel that feels so silly the paintball bit so then the stuff with the cop like actually having like a little bit more stakes i thought makes it a little bit more fun because this sheriff is just unhinged and then Tommy's just weird. So the dynamic there's really interesting. And then Megan, I guess, uh, kind of evens it out. But I liked it. 
I want to see a crossover with this movie, and they should bring in Grandpa Seth. Oh, that would be huge. Could you? Imagine? I guess it's still possible. They need to do it quick. Notes. I wrote in my notes. Grandpa Seth needs to be here at Crystal Lake Camp. He would show Jason what for. How would he do that? Uh, when the time comes, light the wick. In the meantime, I'll create some confusion with this. Um, I have a a note too. This uh does not have Grandpa Seth in it, but I feel like we haven't drawn enough ten uh, enough attention to. Did they just do a fucking James Bond opening? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I, I did mention that in my opening spiel, but that is crazy camp that I love about this movie. <laughs> and then also shortly after that, they're doing the exposition. Um, and Tommy's like, I tried to destroy him, but I fucked up. And like that level of bluntness. Yeah, you did. So We're going to put you in, um, in irons, you shit. And then it's weird how the movie has jokes like that and then jokes like the groundskeeper looking directly down the barrel of the lens and saying some people have a real strange idea of entertainment. And then like there's like a seven year old reading Jean Paul Sartre. <laughs> like it's yeah. a really yeah. weird mix. Yeah, of no things. exit. Yeah, I, I I really like how jam packed it is of of little ideas like that. Just little kind of little little weird things um that that they really make the movie feel lively and i think you know some of the commentary there is uh is just is is refreshing to see um uh just because because it is so different you know homie looking down the barrel and, and and saying people have a weird thing of entertainment or like uh when one of the counselors says to the little girl that uh some people just like to watch like to be scared for fun something like that um and you know, I, I could I could see someone even having a problem with those. Like the movie is like making fun of of horror fans. I I don't feel that way. I think that it's a uh, um, it's like a a knowing wink to horror fans. Sort of like uh, isn't it cool that we're all we're all in this together? Um, and hey, I think this movie has no condescension. I feel like ones that don't like horror fans are condescending. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think this movie still still gives the goods. It feels like it's it's in on the horror fandom. Um, and I also I, I like the little bits of commentary here, like uh, that are a bit more subtle, like when the little girl is uh, you know wakes up from a nightmare, um, or well, I guess she doesn't wake up from a nightmare. She says that you know there was something outside. Too many the yeah. <laughs> and uh, the counselor says, oh, you, you just had a nightmare. And the girl says, uh, no, it, it, it was uh, it was real, just like on TV. And that really struck me, this idea that, good line. you know, kids. And I think it's it's a lot more subtle than some of the other lines. Um, and some of the other lines in how not subtle they were sort of took me out of it this time around. But I think um, a line like that really shows that this movie does have does have a wit about it um it's it's very stark this idea that a kid doesn't really see the difference between uh tv and um and real life and so when she sees this uh what we understand to be a movie character jason 
you know, she's really affected by it. To her, it is real life. And even if she were to see it on TV, um, it, it really just reinforces the innocence of a kid. And I, and I loved that line, whereas I think um, the fatalistic boy one and two, I, I, I really like that content. Like, I think the kid saying, what were you going to be when you grow up um, uh, is, is, a, is a really cool, cool line. The other kids saying, uh, you know, we're about to be dead meat, real dead meat. Um, that stuff is like fun to make it a popcorn movie, but it feels this time around it. It felt too much like um, an author speaking through a kid. Like it was, uh, especially in the delivery. Like it feels very, very much like they they told this kid how to act as in order to be like a a conduit to to speak a bit of cleverness to an adult as opposed to a real a real kid. Like at after the the one kid says what were you going to be when you grow up and he really emphasizes what were you going to be because like he knows he's saying a clever line then the other kid sort of looks at him with like this sitcom furrowed browed expression and it all just felt a bit too big to me this time around whereas i think like um the the little girl is 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 a bit more a bit more subtle while still having that that sense of uh that sense of like self-awareness um but the kids are very memorable so it's you know it's 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 tough to say uh what did you guys think of of some of those lines from those kids i thought the kids were all really great i think they're a wonderful addition to the movie um i see what you mean in the sense that it doesn't feel authentic but uh for me it still works I feel basically the exact same way that you do. I think if you're looking for authenticity, um, you might be looking in the wrong place. You know, it's a, it's like a, it's a Friday the 13th movie. It's, it's, uh, I think it like it, it is a popcorn movie. Um, and I feel like, like that those lines kind of, uh reinforce that and they're they're fun right and i go to this movie and i'm that's kind of all i'm really looking for i'm not looking for uh authenticity in 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 children reacting to this kind of a situation if this movie had that i think i would be uncomfortable watching it um but it's stuff like that that kind of keeps it keeps the, the levity um and and keeps that kind of uh, palatable vibe that that I that I really enjoyed in this movie, and uh, so yeah, no, I'm 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 here for that. I'm here for um, a lot of those things. Yeah, that's a good point. What are you, Corey? I answered. True, you you're just <laughs> like you, guys- you said samesies, bro. That's my answer. <laughs> Dude, I've had like a 16-hour day. What do you want from me? <laughs> like, <sighs> I agree <laughs> with what Liam said. Agreement. All right, I think we should get out of here. Well, you're you're sending us off. So, is it Drake and Josh? <laughs> Okay, uh, great talk, boys. My pick for next week is not not going to be Drake and Josh. I don't know that I can handle that much more Megan in my life. 
I'm going to pick um, a movie we've tried to do a few times, and uh, it just... Uh, we ended up doing different things, and so so maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe we were uh, not gung-ho on it for a reason, but I, I'm curious to check it out, and I think it'll fit well in this sort of dark days of winter we're in right now. So I want to watch Gretel and Hansel from oh. a few years ago or whatever. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we can't watch that. You know, we've always been able to if we wanted to. You know? Interesting. Interesting. Mitch, do you have anything you want to plug? Ah! Jason! Jason Derulo. Breaking, Jason Derulo has fallen down the stairs at the Met Gala. R.I.P. Jason Derulo. Um always in our hearts. Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I have a film writing alter ego on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find me under the username Graham the Mallow. Oh, and I also have a uh, a cover of uh, the great song from this movie. We didn't mention it, but it's uh, oh, yeah, the, the man, song's man behind hilarious. the mask. plays in the movie and then it plays over the credits and it just makes you keep the credits on. The man behind the mask. I did a cover of that for Halloween uh, a year or two ago. Um, so you can check that out. Maybe Corey can put it in the description. You'll be hearing it momentarily. Cool. In full. <laughs> or do you want me to only put part of it in so then people have to go to the YouTube channel to hear it? Uh, well, we yeah, we don't need to make people listen to the whole thing. Yeah, just put in like a chorus or something. And if you check out the video, you could see me in a, a little Chucky costume. A really good fucking incentive. Chucky costume. A very good one. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other podcasts that I do, including MK Podquest, which I mentioned earlier, uh, with a Ren Neal. Uh, that's on uh, the internet at MK Podquest. I guess my brain is like totally fried. Uh, Strat 2 is a podcast I do, but F1, uh, that's ramping back up as the F1 season gets ever closer. That's also on the internet. Go to Mortal Kombat Conquest.ca. You can find it there. Thank you, Shane, uh, for picking this movie and also sending us a VCR. Uh, that's Hell been a great yeah. joy. Uh, once again, we really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Hope you liked the um, episode. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word on a letterbox at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at TMAOPodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and if you've ever covered a song from the credits of a horror movie show us our fantastic thumbnail art is done by jade dickinson you can find on instagram at jade sketches and with all that out of the way we're inverting the names of things next week oh, they made another one not alone this is your last dance in your last romance because oh, he's back And he's out of control